Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. say of a week or more. Wow. Oh, so I'm just kind of <laughs> delighting us now. all. Now I'll just kind of I don't need to be remind you how good this stuff is. And for those who, who haven't, um, well, I just want to give you a taste, plant a seed. Um, uh, anybody else has been to the Forest Refuge? Anybody? Anthony? Anyone else? Oh, cell phones off. What's that? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, well, the Forest Refuge is on the same property as Insight Meditation Society in Barron, Massachusetts. And IMS is, uh, is where I've done most of, of my practice, intensive practice. Um, the first, it opened in 1976, and, uh, and I sat, was fortunate enough to sit the first three-month retreat in 76, and did, uh, I've done a few of those. Um, but the Forest Refuge is um, just in the last, it opened 2003, was there for that opening uh, period. And uh, if you think Spirit Rock is quiet, or IMS is quiet. The Forest Refuge kind of is somebody who was, was practicing, who was doing a working guest uh, and spending time for the month at the Forest Refuge, and she went over to IMS where they had a retreat for a few days, and she said, Wow, it's so busy and noisy there. Coming back to here. Because the Forest Refuge is about as quiet a place as you can get without being out on your own in the woods. It's about, uh, the max is 30 people who are doing, there were about 25 throughout the month when Kate and I were there, and uh, doing a semi-self retreat where there's no, the only, there's one group sitting each morning at 8.30. It's optional if you wanna go. Uh, But other than that, you're on your own schedule. Uh, There's two talks a week. Uh, I co-taught it with a wonderful teacher, Miyoshin Kelly, so I gave one talk a week and, and she gave another, and I did interviews for about three days a week and, and she did the same. Um, but it's, it's like a semi-self-retreat, there's always the support if you need it, and it's, uh, it's people who sit there obviously um, have done a fair amount of practice before and you know, just they want to make sure that everybody uh, can be fairly self-sufficient uh, who, who comes there. Anyway, it was so inspiring just to see the, the dedication of the, the yogis. And I, hadn't, I haven't been teaching much this year because I've been writing, and I got a lot of writing done. I wrote about gratitude this month. That was, the, that was my month. Um, 
So I just was so grateful and remembered about all of this stuff. It's just amazing how it works. It works. This stuff works. It really does. And I wanted to say just a, a few words about why people do intensive practice. I remember the first time I did a three-month retreat, that 76, um, I was 29 at the time. My parents just could not fathom what I was doing. And it was hard to explain why I just had to do this. That was hard enough. But the second time I told them, they said, didn't you get it the last time? (laughs) And it's hard to explain how you go into this process and it's like you're almost living in two worlds. There's your daily life world out in, out in the world where your, your practice hopefully is helping you keep on growing and growing and growing. And then there's your inner journey that you keep on deepening and deepening and deepening. And as you do, you kind of pick up where you, where you left off mysteriously from, from the, last, the last time and it just gets more and more interesting. I, I think I've shared with uh, with this group before, but this is one time that it bears repeating. I remember after about five years of practice, um, well, it was on my second three-month course in 1979, I went into um, to an interview kind of amazed, saying, I don't know what I've been doing up until now, but this is like a whole new world. I said this to Joseph in an interview, and he said, oh, I I know that feeling. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I get it every time I sit. Really? And then he leaned forward and he said, yeah, and it's like we're at the tip of the iceberg. And he had this real sparkle in his eye, like how much more there is to, how exciting it is, and how much more there is to explore and wake up to. So it's not like you do one or you do a, do a few and that's it. Not that you have to keep on doing it, but sometimes you just hear this call that you can't ignore, that you just want to go deeper and deeper. And what you touch in the retreat, it's like there's a new reference point for home, a new reference point for stillness and a connection to the very pure part of your being, your essence, your Buddha nature, whatever you want to call it. And that is what you bring out into the world so that you're, you're just playing a bit more w- w- with, with your life and um, have a different perspective on the reality out here. You see this is like one thin band of consciousness in a larger spectrum of consciousness as... Um, Ken Wilbur calls it. When I do retreats, there's two basic attitudes that, that I bring. One is a wholeheartedness to really, it's such a precious opportunity and, uh, and the, the thought that gets me very inspired is the fact that every single moment that I'm mindful, I am deconditioning greed, hatred, and delusion So every moment of mindfulness counts. And that kind of gets me going to see how many moments of mindfulness I can 
get during the day. Not grasping, not, oh my goodness, I blew it, I, I, I got lost, but just, oh, here's another moment of mindfulness, and another, and another. Because every single one is undercutting that tendency towards greed, hatred, and delusion. And there's a moment of freedom that is sowing very potent seeds. So to have a wholehearted sincerity, a willingness to be here as best I can, and when I see I've gone, I couldn't do anything better. It, I've just been gone to just bring myself back. Okay, come on back and let's start again. So that's the one attitude, a wholehearted sincerity. And at the same time, balanced with a real spaciousness, a real a lightness that doesn't get too contracted because in this profound work, you can start taking it very seriously. I've got to get concentrated. I've got to get mindful. Come on, let's go. I don't want to waste my time. And any kind of contraction like that works against you. It's so easy to get caught in it, and that's what often checking in with a teacher reminds you. But if you know that you're coming from the most sincere place possible, and you can keep it light, you can let the mind be spacious and at ease, because for me, the most effective attitude for mindfulness is a, is a relaxed, very sincere, but a relaxed, kind and interested awareness, then everything starts to unfold from that. It, what happens is there's a kind of um, uh, letting go of armoring that happens over time. And when you go into an interview, and perhaps if you've gone on retreats, you can corroborate this, you kind of, I, I usually feel like I'm about six or seven years old when I go into an interview. It's, and it's beautiful because you're so malleable. There's all the armoring is down. I can remember retreats, you know, going in and saying, you know, well, not much is happening, and tears are coming down my face, you know. <laughs> oh, is that how you usually are in the world? Oh, well, I, guess, I guess not. But you're, you're so open and sensitive to everything, and you're so malleable that transformation can happen in a very profound way that you kind of almost cellularly can rearrange places of holding and contraction and open up to, uh, to places of deep wisdom and, and love in there that, as I say, informs everything. So I, I think I'll just stop here for now and... Uh, uh, I'll let Kate share a bit, and uh, you know, I, I might have some more things to say, but I want to have her have a chance and, and other people either to share or to have questions about practice like that. So, Kate. Oh, I, I want to say, I thought I'd give it to you. Um, <laughs> she really put her whole heart into this. It was just so, so beautiful to, to watch, and, you know, she... Um, She's a good yogi, and, uh, and something happened. I mean, just something happens on the retreat, but it was just beautiful to see her process, and that was one reason I said, I, I want you to share whatever seems useful. Real close. 
So this is kind of an unusual thing to do, three days out of a one-month retreat, so you might have to just bear with me as I collect my thoughts and find my voice. Um, so when James asked me to come and do this, uh, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, it was really neat that I got to really sit back and reflect on um, you know, what is it that I really love about this practice and uh, intensive practice. And I mean, I'll get to what I'm, I want to share, but just, just in that exploration alone, uh, just feeling that love for what we all come here to do, uh, I really love this practice. And I just, I'm so happy to be here, back with our sangha, and um, it's really important what we're doing. And so I just wanted to say that. Um, Put it real close to your lips. So there were two questions that I asked myself. <laughs> I don't like this thing. You gotta do it. So, okay. So there are two questions that I asked myself. Um, and the first one was, what is my motivation uh, to do intensive practice? And the other was, uh, what experiences and insight have I had in retreat that I want to, that I felt would be appropriate and um, worth sharing? Uh, so the first one, uh, what is my motivation? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, got, you got to keep that here. Okay. Okay. You got. They want to. I want can you to hear, hear me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. They can hear me. Better when it's closer. Yeah. It is better when it's closer. Okay. okay. I'll try. Um, <laughs> okay. So, one of the things I realized was uh, my motivation to do intensive practice. Really, it's the same as our motivation just to come here. Our motivation of what actually got us into the practice. And uh, so I found that really interesting in the, um, you know, when I tell people, you know, this is what I'm doing, I'm going on all these retreats and I'm sitting for a month or whatever, uh, and people's reaction is, wow, I could never do that, or why would you do that? And I, I find that interesting because we're already doing it. It's just an extended period of time. It's, uh, you know, we're practicing right now. And the intensive retreat, or the intensive practice, is like what James was saying no. <laughs> about, uh, you know, taking what we're doing right now and really giving yourself the time and the space and the peace and the quiet to really investigate um, uh, what we see in our normal practice. It's just giving you yourself that, um, allowing yourself to go a little bit deeper. So it's something that we can all do. And it, it's really great that so many have actually done it. That, that uh, It's really wonderful. But if you're wondering, you know, or thinking that's not something I can do, uh, just you're doing it right now, so I just wanted to say that. So back to motivation. Um, I came up with three that were really close to me. 
uh, in my process and uh, what brought me to this practice and then also what really, really motivates me to um, really go deeper into it. And the first one was suffering. That was the first thing that came up for me and uh, coming to this practice uh, with a lot of pain and and uh, anxiety and and hurt and um, and and seeing it in the world around me as well and really wanting a better way to live my life and um, really finding it within this practice. Every time I sit, it's just I just feel that that change that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I think everyone kind of understands what I'm saying because I think this is one that a lot of people come to practice with. The first noble truth is life is suffering. We all are experiencing that time and again. And uh, so to practice intensively, to really explore where is the suffering coming from and what can I uh, do to let go of hanging on to it is a big one for me and why I do intensive practice. And the next one um, that I thought about was really being touched by the people who have explored this path and are radiant and happy and grounded and um, just seeing the fruits of, of what we're doing really inspires me to uh, do intensive practice. And then the other one was curiosity, and just being curious about what this is all about. Um, like James was saying, there's different layers that you, on intensive retreat, you really start peeling through. Uh, the deeper and deeper, the more quiet, the more at ease you become. And um, for me, that just brings up more curiosity and more questions as to what is all this. And so that really brings me uh, to intensive practice. Um, so, as far as experiences, uh, I just picked a couple that I thought um, that have really changed me in, in how I live my life and how my relationships with other people and really my relationship with myself. And uh, the first one was just really getting in touch with being able to be kind and compassionate to myself um, and learning how to then put that out to the people around me. And that's something we can do um, outside of retreat. But on retreat, um, as a lot of you probably know, uh, the hindrances, the, the, the thoughts are just, you know, you're sitting with yourself. All you have is you and your thoughts and your body pain or whatever's going on in that moment. And... Uh, there's no running away from it. So intensive practice really allows you to um, 
explore that without distraction. And for me, uh, the first retreat I actually went to um, was in Thailand at a place called Suom Mok, uh, which is in the southern part of Thailand. And it's Ajahn Buddha Das's retreat center for Westerners. And the idea was to um, have a place for Westerners to go to experience what it's like to be a monastic. You don't actually take robes, but um, you're living just like the, the monastics that live there. And it was, <laughs> let's just say, I really wanted the Asian experience, and I got exactly what I asked for. It was really hot, um, really humid. The bugs were everywhere. We were given um, grass mat to sleep on, a wooden pillow, which the idea, <laughs> the idea of that is to cut your sleep cycle. Uh, and it works. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the schedule was, was it was really hard. Uh, and I just watched myself and the people that were there. There were a lot of actual beginner meditators, people who had never be meditated before, a lot of people on their first retreat. And we were so miserable. By the third day, we were just, no one was looking at each other. Everyone was just... You know, you could just feel the morale of the group declining quickly. And at some point on that third day, I really saw that, okay, th these conditions are ridiculous and this is really difficult, but I was adding so much to the experience of suffering with my thoughts. I was so stuck in mm, owning that dukkha. I was just clinging on to it. It was just completely en engulfing me. And when I saw that, I was able to let go of that and actually moving into um, a metta practice, so a practice of loving kindness and um, really asking myself in every moment that I started to feel you know, the agitation and the aversion and the doubt of why am I doing this? And as I, I would feel that come up, I would just ask myself, what can I bring to this moment to bring relaxation and ease? And it was incredible. It was so transformative. And as I started to embody this practice, I started to realize that I could, I had enough to share with the people that were around me and was then able to start doing metta for everybody that was there. And I don't know that they actually felt it <laughs> or got anything from it. But for me, there was a real strength in that to be able to give back and, and uh, see the interconnectedness that we were all going through a really hellish retreat <laughs> and that it didn't have to be that way. Um, so that was really big for me and something that I, I feel I've been able to carry with me in all my retreats and outside of retreat, which is even really the, the point, right? So, um, and on this last retreat, this was a good retreat. <laughs> um, 
I was doing concentration practice and got really deep um, in my focus. And there was a point where everything really started to fall away. Um, my agitation, my doubts, uh, my aversion, uh, just within the narrowness and the focus of concentration, there's just no room for that. And so as those thoughts and, and feelings started to uh, just kind of fall away to the side, there was this relaxation and ease that just naturally came up. Um, and within that, I ended up really tapping into the state of the most pure love I think I've ever experienced. And it was just this true nature that was coming out there was no thought, there was no holding on, it was just being in the true nature of things. And it was incredible, and I spent probably a week just <laughs> walking around in that state. And, um, You know, it's only been three days since I've been out, so I don't know where this will go, but I, it's something that I know is always there. It's something that I can tap into because it's, it's in all of us. It's, it's, our innate, it's our nature. Once we're out of our head and our story, um, out of our stress and our holding on, that's what's left. And... That was something I was really wanting to share with everyone. And uh, just how cool is that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, and it also, within that, getting really in touch with our interconnectedness, that this is all of our true nature. It's nothing special to me. This is what is there in everybody. And... Um, yeah, I think that's all I'll share about that. But um, to keep it real, I've also had retreats where uh, the opposite exploration has happened, where uh, real dukkha comes up. Uh, my last retreat before this one, I spent a month, um, about a year and a half ago, at the Forest Refuge again. And, um, and was just sitting in fear and anxiety and self-loathing and, uh, and, and all of this, uh, you know, really the opposite of what I was just talking about. And, uh, and this is something that also happens a lot in intensive practice. Um, we really get to face 
our our pain, our dukkha. And that's probably not very motivating for those who haven't sat a retreat, but it's <laughs> but it's actually um, it's what we're doing here right now anyway. Um, just in our daily meditation, we start to notice uh, just you know our stories, our beliefs, the things that we cling to. And so with intensive practice, it's actually, uh, it's quite a gift to be given that time and that space in a safe place with teachers who can really support you to explore what's really there. And, um, and you survive it, <laughs> is the important part. You get through it and you... Um, well, I'll speak on a personal level. I, being able to sit with these thoughts and emotions and giving it space to arise and, and then eventually falling away, it is all impermanent. And uh, there's a real strength and power that comes from that. There's... There's something so amazingly valuable in being able to spend that much time with your dukkha and becoming friends with it, changing your relationship with it, um, learning how when those things come up, when you're out of retreat and in your daily life, what do you do with it? And so it's just giving yourself the time to really explore that. And, and then I know for myself, just the amount of tools and confidence that I had from doing that and then coming out of the retreat, uh, I still use all of it <laughs> on a daily basis. It's just um, really quite amazing. Um, so, I'm not sure I have really an ending to this. So I guess the one thing I wanted to end with was um, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately since I've gotten back was uh, just that the retreat is uh, the actual sitting retreat I kind of feel like that's you get halfway through once you leave the second half is when you come back and how you apply it and what comes out of that, and just the possibilities that open. I, I would assume that a lot of you who have sat retreat, especially long ones, um, have experienced uh, the openness when you come out of a retreat, and the devotion, um, and the love that might be there, just uh, I find it just opens so many possibilities, so many doors, so many more relationships. Um, and 
I'm excited to see what happens after this retreat, but um, I mean, that's a motivation in itself. It's, it's very worth it. <laughs> so I think that's all I have. Thank you. Uh, the, the, the point of uh, whatever the retreat is for you is just the one that you're meant to have uh, mm-hmm. is, is really important. You know, if you, I was just imagining hearing about her recent retreat, oh, I was love for a week. You know, that sounds pretty cool. But then the mind will go, well, I didn't get that on my retreat. <laughs> and it, it's very mysterious kind of a thing that you get just the retreat you need. And the ones that are hard, as Kate said, give you confidence and a power that you didn't know you had because it, it draws something out of you if you say, I can, I can be with this too. Um, some of the hardest retreats are the ones that I've learned the most from. And it doesn't mean that once you have a sweet, delicious retreat that it's clear sailing. <laughs> you know, you, you can have, you, grace can come down from uh, and descend on you, and the next time you sit, you know, you can find a, a, a new level of purification that comes out. So it's not like, you know, all you can do is show up. All you can do is show up and bring your own sincerity of heart. And whatever happens is out of your control. It's, it's a great relief to realize that, that you, you can't, when you get, you can't control your retreat. That's a huge piece. Because then it's not up to you to, you know, make the agenda and make it a pass or, or I hope I don't fail it. It's really just seeing, can I meet this moment too? And when the moment is sweet, oh, how beautiful that capacity that, that we have to love or to, to be kind or to see clearly. And when the moment is difficult, oh, how beautiful that I get to find a place of compassion inside that I didn't know was there, a place of strength or equanimity that I didn't know was there. Even if you don't discover it at first, it's okay. You might not even discover it through a whole retreat and then find afterwards, oh, that's what that one was about. And nothing is wasted in that. So, um, we can uh, perhaps take a, a little time if people want to share their own either motivation, what inspires them, or have any questions uh, about retreats. And I want to say one other thing that, um, uh, just as an aside, that our community is actually planning a retreat uh, for us to do together next Memorial Day, over Memorial Day, a four or five day retreat that um, I'll be teaching with Richard Shankman, who was here last week, and a woman, Martina Schneider, uh, who's a really wonderful uh, new teacher. Uh, up in uh, in Santa Rosa, the Angela Center. So this is kind of it's in, it's been on my mind, and I hope this primes the pump because it's it's just so amazing to sit together. There's a deep connection that we start to feel when we do practice together. So mark that in your calendars next Memorial Day. I think it's from like Thursday to to Monday to Monday holiday. 
So please, anyone who wants to share about why they love practice or have questions or anything that, that seems relevant can take some time. If somebody would... kind of mysterious you just uh, you think oh what's the point and just as you're just as you're about to give up you know in your sincerity it opens you up if you're able to uh, enough mindfulness pops through to have a whole new perspective on the confusion that you've been caught in for the for the last hours days weeks and it doesn't matter how long, it's just the moment that you see it, oh, wow, look at that. I made that whole story up. How, how fantastic. Not, oh, I got caught there for a whole long time, but how fantastic that I can see through it and I don't have to create that story anymore. Anybody? I am so moved. Yeah. 
remarkable. And I'm so taken, I'm so inspired um, by hearing Kate and seeing these younger people in our saga. It just, I, I moved to tears. I just so, uh, uh, my heart just overflows. And I thank them dearly for their practice. It's just, it's wonderful.
tragedies and then all that hard work is sort of making it possible for us all to be here now and to hear you uh, and your experience and just this gratitude. See your lips. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you both. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. That's good. There's something really amazing going on, I think, right now, especially in Berkeley. Well, it, my experience is Berkeley. So it's uh, the youth movement in this tradition is really happening. Um, it's really exciting, actually, to be a part of it. I had, uh, I was, I'm part of a young adults Kalyanamita group. Kalyanamita means spiritual friends. That meets uh, once every other week. A bunch of them are actually here, and uh, it's so rich. It's, it's really something that needs to be supported, and um, I think that. As this tradition evolves in the U.S., the interaction between what Deborah was calling the elders and the young adults is crucial. And uh, I am hoping that this uh, inspires also um, some awareness around that. And I think our Sangha does a wonderful job of that. And there is a lot of young people now coming. And um, so I just wanted to uh, say that. <laughs> it's, really, it's really quite amazing. I think there's been a gap in generation a little bit. And um, it's starting up again. The movement here is very strong. So it's exciting. Uh, we have to end in a, in a moment, but I just uh, occurs to me to share something that uh, I, I love an analogy that, that Joseph gives about the, the development of practice that just makes a lot of sense to me. And, I, and I, as I've shared here before, when I first got into this stuff, I went for it because I had so much suffering, because it was just so hard to even look at the mirror. And um, the thought of loving oneself was just you know, so remote. And, you know, not being disgusted with yourself is, uh, you know, it's, was, was a kind of aspiration. Uh, <laughs> But it's really possible. And the, the analogy that I love is, um, imagine a hill. And in the center, right in the center of the hill, there's a, you put a, a ball. And it's really hard for that ball to stay in the center. Just the slightest movement 
you know, or it just goes, it just falls right away. You, it's very hard to get that ball to stay in that center of a steep hill. That's the beginning of practice. As you keep on practicing and look at your mind and your heart and purify, that hill isn't quite so steep. And after a while, it's even kind of flat land. You put it on that center spot, and it takes a bit of a, a gust to blow it off. As you keep on deepening your practice, that ball naturally hangs out in the center. It can get blown off. At any moment, it can get blown off. A strong gust of wind comes, it gets blown off, but it just naturally returns to center. This is not something for great yogis in Tibet alone or you know, super, super diligent, graced yogis here in, in Berkeley. This is something we can all do. As the Buddha said, if it were not possible to free the mind of greed, hatred, and delusion, I would not tell you to do so. But it is possible for all of us. And that's why he taught. So to, to really see that as long as you are facing in the right direction and you put your heart into waking up and can do it in a, a light way where it's not this pressure or I've got I've to do it right, but you just keep on facing and take the next step and just be as present as you can for whatever is going on, you are inevitably going to deepen your practice and keep on growing and keep on waking up, not only for yourself, but just as you might have gotten, just hearing somebody talk about their own deep love of the Dharma and how it's possible to, to really open up to something beautiful inside. It touches, it touches others. So your own practice becomes this, this gift that you give to everybody, whether or not you say, say it in words, even more powerfully, just to embody it and see your own goodness and let it shine and awaken others in the same way. And it just gets passed on. So we're, we're practicing for everyone as well as finding that peace within ourselves. So, thank you very much, Kate, and Sharon. Any last thing? I think I'm done. And so we'll close with the loving kindness. Just feeling your own heart, let your self-rest. Mm. Actually, I'm just remembering, uh, besides uh, Henrietta's, Henrietta's, what was it, her father. father. May you be safe from inner and outer harm. May you have whatever healing to the fullest extent possible. And as well as somebody who
single-mindedly to the Sahara right now, Esalen, and all the places that are uh, in danger with all the fires. There's a whole lot of people that are doing their best to keep things safe. And uh, the Sahara Center is in danger right now. And so, may they be safe from harm. May they be protected. And then, breathe through your heart center. Breathe in a kindness, a goodness from life. And let it fill your whole being. Breathe right into your heart center. Let it fill you and then let it radiate out as you breathe out. And for a moment, get in touch with your own goodness, your own true nature that is love, that is awareness. The Buddha or Kuan Yin right inside. moment, let yourself rejoice in that and send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I know the peace that's inside. May I connect with all the love that's inside and share it well. May I see through my confusions and open up to wisdom and understanding that's right inside. May I continue to face in the right direction and awaken to the fullest extent possible. And then to send these kinds of well wishes to everybody here and continuing to spread out to all beings in all directions. As I want to be happy, may all beings find happiness in their lives. May all find peace inside. May all feel their love and share it well. May all awaken to their true nature. May our coming here together not only benefit ourselves, but be a gift and a benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere. Glad you made it here, and uh, now you know where you are, so come on back next week.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.